0: Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. I would like to title this message, The Attitude of a Transformed Heart. The Attitude of a Transformed Heart. And I'm going to use this lesson to bring out some qualities of a transformed heart. Jesus had just had or he was in the process having an encounter with this woman at the well. Before then, Jesus' disciples has gone to look for food in a nearby city called Sika or Sica, however you may pronounce it. And as the disciples of Jesus left, now Jesus now went and met this woman at the well. Well, This woman was a Samaritan. And Bible story tells us that the Jews and the Samaritans had nothing to do in common whatsoever. Talk less of a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. That was a no, 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 no ever. Okay. So Jesus' disciples, they have gone to get food for them to eat. And they came and met Jesus when Jesus had gone so far deep in a conversation with this woman again, I want to remind us the topic of this message is the attitude of a transformed heart the attitude of a transformed transformed heart. now we see in verse 27 uh, that my brother has just read in verse 27 it says that just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. they were so amazed. Because when they were leaving to go and get food, Jesus was by himself. He was with no woman. And when they came back, they saw him talking with this woman. Quickly, they could identify who this woman was, maybe because of the way she was dressing. They know that she was a Samaritan woman. So Jesus' disciples, they interrupt the conversation by their return from Sychar, where they had gone to, to buy food. So, they were just in in their amazement, their unvoiced surprise that they were talking with a Samaritan woman reflects the prejudice that was actually going during this time. Like I said earlier, for a Jew to talk to a Samaritan, that was a no-no. They had you, no, you had to be separate. There was nothing to do in common with them. Then let alone a woman. For a Jew to stand and talk with a woman, there was a no-no. So, by during that time, uh, there's some Jewish church that actually holds that for a man to waste his time. Now listen to this. Say for a man to waste his time talking with a woman. So talking with, for a man, a Jewish man to talk with a woman is a waste of time. So to waste a time talking with a woman, time which could have actually been used, putting story to study the Torah, which was the Bible, uh, it, it, there was no place. There was no place then. Now, a Jew's talking to a Samaritan woman. This was a really, really kind of, kind of like an abomination. Okay, So, they were surprised. And when they came and met Jesus, they didn't know what to say. They were just like being astonished. Like, tongue-tied. Is this really happen? And how is it happening? Because it was, it was a no, 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 no existence, actually. Then, as we go down to verse 28 to 30, we see in verse 28, the, the, the author tells us, it says that, Then the woman left her her water jar and went into town and told the people. So therefore, they have gone into a conversation. And at this point in time, this woman now has been convinced who actually Jesus was. She has been convinced by the conversation she had with Jesus Christ. So at this time now, the purpose that she came, she came to fetch water at the wall, to draw water at the wall. But because she had a conversation with Jesus Christ, and now at some point she was convinced that Jesus Christ was seemingly the prophet, now, this woman left her water jar there. She left her water jar and then I ran to go and tell the people in Sika, Calling them to come and say, hey, come and see somebody who had told me everything about my life. This actually should be the Messiah." So, she abandoned her original purpose for coming to the well to tell the people of her town about Jesus Christ. She displays the eagerness to bear witness before the, the town people who... Uh, had previously had we, so at this time she, she, she took the burden now to become a witness and go now and tell the same people that she did not have the courage to talk to them before because of her lifestyle. Now remember, this woman had been married five times, and Jessica had just told him all about her life. Now, being in this kind of lifestyle, it was kind of like being ashamed for her to mingle around and tell people that hey. This is my lifestyle. Of course, which the people they actually knew. But see, the transformation, when the transformation came, when she had it encounter with Jesus Christ, now she had to go and stand the weakness, even to the people that she did not have the courage before to tell them, to face them and to talk with them because of her past life or because of her lifestyle. Now she had the courage to go and tell them, not only to tell them, but to invite them as well to come and see that person who had actually told her, all about her life. So she displays the eagerness to bear witness before her townspeople, whom had, she had previously had reasons to avoid. Now from Jesus' knowledge of her life, she must conclude that Jesus actually was the prophet. Jesus, Her conclusion was that Jesus was the, the prophet. Perhaps the townspeople were as impressed by her excitement, excitement candle as per her argument. So they know, the people when she came and spoke to her, they know actually who this woman was. Coming to tell them about this, they saw that excitement, so they had to leave now and go and see this person actually, who revealed this woman everything about her lifestyle. Someone who has never known her, but only to reveal uh, 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 to her her lifestyle. Then let us move on to verse from verse 31 to, t- to 32. Now in verse 31. The author says, in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. So when this woman, when this, this woman are left, the disciples they have come, you know, they brought the food and they, they have come now to serve uh, Jesus with the food because they know, of course, that Jesus has been walking all day and he has not eaten anything. And they brought this food now. They they present to him, say, Rabbi, eat something. You know, is it is just like, uh, a, 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 you know. A family member or your spouse, or you know, cook food knows that you work so much all day. You've not eaten something, and, and uh, he, he or she comes and say, "Hey, you've not eaten anything. Eat!" and and trying to force you to eat, you know, trying to force you to eat. Now, Jesus actually uses this situation to pass out a message. The disciples, for their part, were urging Jesus to eat some of the food they had just brought from the town. Jesus decides to use the circumstance to teach his followers something of his own priorities. And this is what Jesus Christ said, I have food to eat that you know not. I have food to eat that you know not. And that was in verse uh, verse 32. Now, verse 33 tells us that the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? They were baffled by the fact that Jesus said he had a food that, the food that they don't know about it so to them they felt that well maybe on their way somebody might have um, have brought Jesus food to eat I mean given the fact that he has been with them all morning and they've been working so hard and has not eaten anything for him telling them that that I have food to eat that you know not so probably they concluded they said maybe on their way to look for food somebody brought him food to eat but that is not the point Verse 34 tells us, oh, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is what Jesus told them. Jesus said that his food actually was to do the work of God, his father who sent him and he must really finish that work. And Jesus saying this, he kind of reflected to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, when Moses was addressing uh, the Israelites. And this is what he says, Genesis chapter 8, verse 3. He says that, He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is very important for us also to know today, that fellow Christians... Man does not live by bread alone. You know, some people say that I live to eat. You know, they just live to eat. But as believers, we know that man does not live by bread alone. The bread is good for the physical body. But the spiritual food is also good for the, for the spiritual body. So, therefore means that even as much as we need the physical food to sustain us, we also need the spiritual food to sustain us spiritually. But the disciples here actually limited themselves only to the physical food. Because they know that Jesus has been walking all day. And at this time, he should be hungry. Normally, our bodies are wired that way. When we exhaust, when we give out a lot of energy and burn a lot of calories, it is expected and required that you, your feeling replenish what has been lost. So the disciples actually, they were looking at the physical food. Now... The points where I want to dwell and I want to pass across in this message, in this message this evening, is what we'll hear from, from verse, um, from verse 35 to 38. And this is what Jesus told them in verse 35. said, don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready this is very very important for us christians to know because i so many times we Christians we feel that you've done so much that no it's time to rest you've done so much that you feel that well you have you have worked all you have done this you have in your age you know sometimes we say from when i was young in my youthfulness i have served the lord a lot so now that i'm old i should rest no there is no thing like rest now listen in agriculture, as Jesus Christ was presenting here, when, when, when you know, after planting season, it was according to this part required that there was still four months before harvest. So, from the time of planting to the time of harvest, there is an interval of four months. So, during this time, people use it for rest; they use it for other things. But Jesus Christ is telling them that you think that after you plant, there is four months to harvest. But I want to tell you that the harvest, open your eyes, the harvest is ready. The harvest is ready. And Jesus Christ was referring to the soul that he just won. And who was that soul? The Samaritan woman and the others that she was going to bring forth. Because if you read past this passage, you'll see the Samaritans, those that came to see Jesus Christ, they turn and look at the woman and say that, we don't believe by what you told us, but we believe because we have seen him by our eyes. So Jesus was foretelling them about the harvest. So dear believers, when we think that in our life you have worked so much, when you think that it is time for you to rest, no, Jesus is telling you that there is no time between your sowing and the harvest. So as long as you live, you should continue to serve God and to do His biddings as long as Christ tarries. Jesus uses this to tell them, listen, you say that there is four months to wait for the harvest. No, but I tell you that even right now you see that the harvest is ready. And as, as a matter of fact, I have harvested some. It is challenging to us Christians because we feel that Christianity, we have to take vacations. But honestly, if we are really honest and open our eyes and just try to zoom around, even around our neighborhood where we live at, you will see that there are so many people who are really inflated with, they carry a whole lot of burdens. They are looking for somebody just to talk to them and give them release. And who is going to talk to such people and give them good release? If not, believers. How many times do you tell somebody about Christ? How many times did you tell somebody just trust the Lord? How many times did you tell somebody God loves you, Jesus loves you, that Jesus died, he gave his life for you? How many times? Do we reserve that only for the pastor or for the deacons? Or do we reserve it only for the men? Do we reserve that only for the church workers? No, all of us are inside. We are into ease together. And that is why Jesus Christ is saying here and right now that don't wait for any time until harvest because right now the harvest is already going on. Amen? We should not wait and say there is a particular time. No, as long as we live and as long as we have this opportunity, please keep on sharing the word of God. Keep on doing the purpose that you were meant for. There is no time because we don't have the time on our side. So we go forward we see that in this passage and then we go in verse um, verse 30 verse 36 and just go he charged him he says that the reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life this is very very important the reaper is already receiving harvesting now I said Jesus Christ, I mentioned here that Jesus Christ, when he was telling them about the harvest being ready, he was making emphasis on the fact that he has already, he has already harvested. And we look at the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Samaritan woman and the other Samaritan people from Sika, who will later come and then confess that they have seen and believed, not because of, of that woman. So, what are we trying to say here? What we are trying to say here, as verse 36 tells us, says that the reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. The word the reaper is already receiving pay denotes that the reaper is employed. He is not simply waiting around for the harvest, for harvest time has already come. Therefore means that me and you, which should not wait for a particular time. There is no way, time waits for nobody, we should not wait for a particular time. As we move around around and go to our work and everywhere, go to grocery shop and everywhere, there are lost souls, they're everywhere surrounding us. Every time you go out, pray for the spirit of discernment, that the Holy Spirit will direct you to somebody and tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. Because if we look and zoom our eyes, like I said, see that the harvest is ready. But the harvest has a few. That means that there are so many people out there who are just longing for someone to tell them about Jesus Christ. There are somebody who, so many people out there who don't know what to do. They have burdens and burdens of problems. And that is why we find them taking, resolving to other options in life. Because me and you, we didn't carry out our obligations as given to us. We feel that, no, there is still time. We procrastinate. We feel that there is still time. But Jesus Christ says that, no, 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 no. The harvesting is already going on. And he says that by example, And said that, look, this Samaritan woman here is one and she, as a matter of fact, she's going to bring more people who actually have already harvested. So listen, let's not limit the power of God. Let's not limit and feel that, no, it is only meant for particular people. You know, just giving out gospel tracts is very, very important. You don't know what that tract you give can do. Just telling somebody, hey, Jesus loves you, God loves you. You don't know what that one can. That is a message by itself. That is the good news. Tell somebody, hey, can I pray for you? I see that you are distressed. Can I pray for you? That is a message. That is a way of breakthrough. The harvest is plentiful, but the harvesters are few. He is busy reaping the crop for eternal life. The crop refers to the people who become followers of Jesus in the first instance. The Samaritans, I have said. In effect, Jesus claimed that he was ushering in the Messianic age a time of swift, abundant harvest. Now, lastly, if we go to verse 38 and 37, or 37 and 38, it says here, that it says, verse 37 says that, For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. This is very important for us because here it is talking about partnership in ministry. One person sows and another person's ribs. So when you beat yourself so much and feel that no, you don't have that ability to just within a few time moment just confuse or, 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 or win somebody for Christ, you, you are not doing justice to yourself because you are sowing a seed when you tell somebody God loves you and you just share the gospel. Listen, do what we are supposed to do and allow the rest for the Holy Spirit. Because one person sows and another one Another one harvest. So Jesus told them this, and um, what he was saying is that the work of both sower and reaper is very, very essential. So there has to be somebody who will sow the world, and there has to be a reaper. The sower labors in anticipation of what is to come. The reaper must never forget that the harvest he enjoys is the fruit of another's toil. The others who had labored include Jesus himself, his predecessors including the the, the, uh, most commonly uh, John the Baptist, and even the final prophet associated with the Old Testament. All these people, they contributed in the work that we are doing today. As a matter of fact, we are just, when I was praying this message, I challenged myself, I asked myself, just imagine being at the front line, those disciples who were sowing God's word, and they were being just killed in a very nasty way. Some were burned, some were cooked in a pot, some were turned upside down and killed. And, and Jesus himself, who was crucified on the cross, all this labor that they did like that, they laid the platform that me and you today, we are just treading upon. So why should we not take the advantage that the foundation was already laid and just go around and do what we are supposed to, be, to, to, to do? And lastly, uh, Jesus' followers were the beneficiaries of their work and uh, will bring the harvest. Me and you today, we are beneficiaries of, of, uh, of what, the work that has already been laid down. You see, that means that me and you, our job today is not in any way, anything compared to when it comes to tediousness. It, 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 it is not in any way compared to what Jesus is talking, is talking here. The, 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 the apostles and all those that were killed, the disciples, they go through. What Moses and all those people, they they did. They laid the groundwork for me and you. It is easier today because the groundwork has already been laid. So let us not complain that it is too hard because me and you cannot give our life for that cause. Somebody's life was already given for that cause. So what me and you is doing is benefiting from the labor that was already, already made. I want to end by bringing some four points here. Again, I want to remind us about the title of this message and the title was that the attitude of a transformed heart the first point I want to bring here is that a transformed heart does the will of God if we go to verse 34 this is what Jesus said in verse 34 he said my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work brothers and sisters a transformed heart has this passion to do God's work till the end. If Jesus is able to tell the disciples that his work was to do his Father's will, then there is no me and you is the same thing. The reason why me and you, we are still living is because God created us to do his work. We are vessels of his own honor. A a transformed heart does the will of God. And the question is, are you consistently doing the will of God? The second point is this, a transformed heart does not take off time from service. And Jesus told them in verse 35, in verse 35, he said, in verse 35, he says that, don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. So a transformed heart does not take off time to rest. A transformed heart does not say that I'm taking off vacation. The harvest is ready. A transformed heart should be very conscious to know that if we look around you, there are so many harvests, as Jesus said. It's just for you to depend and trust in the Holy Spirit and act. The third point is that a transformed heart is passionate about the things of God. Verse 36 tells us. It says that the reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit of eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. A transformed heart is passionate about that day that we shall meet together with our Lord, the day of jubilation, where we'll sit and see all the souls that we might have won and, and, and see how the front, I will sit together in the front of the Lord and worshiping Him. We should be passionate, looking forward to that. Bringing more people to be in that event. A day that we shall shall gather to depart no more. We should be passionate about that as we live our lives every day. Jesus Christ saved us from the pit of hell. So too we should also take the burden and and, and buy into that. and, and, And also have the burden for loved souls. So that we save them also from that pit of hell that Jesus Christ saved us. A transformer should be passionate About the things of God. What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about making that dollars? Are we passionate about your comfort or convenience? Are you passionate about your well-being and how you live your life? What about the things of God? And lastly, a transformed heart lives a life of grace. A transformed life lives a life of grace. It is not my doing. The foundation has already been laid. So if I, by his grace of God, speak to somebody and the person received Christ, I should not say, mm, I've done it. It's my work, my effort. Wow, I did it. No, no, no. Listen, that is just a lie. It's by the grace of God. You've talked and that person is saved. Not you. So don't boast about it because the foundation was laid already. That is the Holy Spirit who did it. So all you have to do is just open your mouth and tell them, live a graceful life. Don't look at your life, feel that everything that you are, whatsoever you're going to become, is by, by your own effort. No, somebody died for you. You are who you are today because somebody risked his life and paid the price that you could not pay and died for you. So as you live, live a life of grace. My prayer to us this evening is that we should have this kind of attitude that we see in Matthew chapter 4, 27 to 38. And the attitude of a transformed heart. That heart that will want to do the will of God. That heart that does not take time off from the service of the Lord. I want my prayers that we should have that heart that is, is passionate about the things of God. And lastly, my prayer is that we should have that kind of heart that will live every day and say it's just by the grace of God. But not by your doing. I just pray that this message this evening just an encouragement that you have been blessed. So that you go out there and look and and as we live, look at everything say, God, please, Holy Spirit, just direct me to the right person. Let me just tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. You must not struggle to win them for Christ. No, just tell them you are sowing that seed and that is a partnership right there. I just pray that we should be very conscious with the time that we are living in. We should be very conscious in the time that we are living in and and ask God to fill our heart, to flood our heart with his passion for the things of Christ. We put more time to do our own things, put more energy, more time uh, to do our things, our own pleasure, but the things of God, we just scrape out the remaining few seconds and say, okay, this time for God. No, that is not how a transformed life has to live. God must come first in our lives. He must. He must. A transformed life, put God first. And if we place God first in our lives every day, then all these four points will fall in and many more points. I pray that this message today has been a blessing to you. Can we be on our feet? Please. So I just want to ask you all, um, we never want to end any message without giving people the opportunity to make Jesus their Lord and Savior if, if, if you have not yet done so. I just want to pray that ask that we just bow our heads down and uh, if you know for sure that if something happens now in your life 100% if you're not sure to meet Jesus Christ I just want you to indicate by showing your hands if Jesus were to come now and stand and face you and call you by your name and said what reason can you give me for me to let you into my kingdom if you know that you are not sure please this is a time just indicate And I also want to extend this invitation to those who are watching online. This message is a will to you. If you know that you have not had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, this is your time. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray this prayer. You pray after me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have sinned against you. And Lord, the punishment for the kind of sin I have sinned against you is hell. But Father... Because of your love, Jesus Christ came to die for my place. Lord, I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Father, for forgiving my sins. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you're online and you did pray that prayer, I would love that you just make a text to the church, the church uh, uh, Facebook page, or write to the church. And I also want to end by saying this, please, if there's anybody who want to be a church, uh, a family of the church, please, this is an opportunity you just indicate and you come forward. And the church is a very wonderful church. The hands are always open. There's always one more place in this church, one more chance in this church. Anybody? Okay, let us pray and then we'll close. Dear Father, we want to thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing your work. It's a task that by ourselves we cannot do it. That is why, Lord, we, we depend on you. Empower us, O oh God, and enable us to live for you so that we we'll bring your word, the good news, extend it to those who are really uh, suffering in darkness. It is true, the harvest is plentiful, but the harvesters are few. We need you, O oh God, to empower us, to be the forefront, to reach out to your people. Father, take us back home safely and bless our wit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.